Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew. So I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the stupendous Stu Skeel, the esteemed Erica Bond Barbagris, and the bodacious Bruce Cordell. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and Phil, and today we're going to talk about GM burnout. Before we get into that, though, we're going to ask a get-to-know-gnome question, which today is, what is the longest-running campaign you've ever taken part in? And were you a player or a GM? Jared, you go first. All right. Well, I am probably going to uh, cheat at this question because I don't, I, I cannot uh, track time before when I was in uh, middle school and high school when we used to like, you know, game three times a week and, you know, we'd do like eight hour sessions <laughs> that I can't even comprehend how to measure that kind of campaign anymore. But since I've been an adult, probably the longest one that I have uh, been in was a four year long D&D campaign that started off as third edition transferred to 3.5 and everybody got up to about 13th level and i was the dm in that particular campaign very cool how about you phil i think my longest so in the article that i think uh, precipitated this i mentioned i did 46 sessions of forbidden lands which i play every other week so that 46 is what like 96 weeks or something yeah, but I think actually my longest one chronologically, and I don't know if it was the longest by session, was uh, two and a half years. I played Iron Heroes, Monty Cook's Iron Heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually played from like, I think probably like level two to like level 18. And it was uh, it was it was I mean, it was it was uh, biweekly and um, it was pretty epic. Like it was a pretty epic uh, campaign, like big world sweeping, big like fight the big bad at the end kind of campaign. Were you the player? Oh, I was as the GM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, I'm always the GM. Like, <laughs> the Jared, you mentioned like those those olden days of playing back in, oh, in high yeah. school and before. I never had a character live longer than like three or four sessions, <laughs> so none of those were long term. None of them. I think the longest running campaign that I've taken part of is probably my friend Tristan's 5e D&D campaign for his homebrew world, where we've been playing a city-based campaign. I want to say we started in 2015. Like, like 5e had been uh-huh. out for a little while. We'd, we'd kind of fiddled with it to see if we liked it. And then he decided to start a new campaign in his homeworld using that system mm-hmm. and we we haven't it's not like we play all the time we we basically play for a season and then set the game aside so tristan doesn't get burnout uh, <laughs> but i want to say we've had about 30 sessions mm-hmm. in the course of of these six years that we've had uh and we've definitely gone from I want to say, I don't remember if we started at first level or if you had it start at third level. So we got all the fun subclass stuff, <laughs> but we're, we just hit 10th level. So it's been, mm-hmm. it's been a great campaign. It's, it's, you know, we are all super invested in it. And you touch a hair on the head of one of our favorite NPCs and we're coming <laughs> for you. You know, it's, it's just, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So. 
Moving into our main topic, I think it's safe to say that anyone who has GM'd for any length of time has probably hit a wall where their energy for running the game has waned. Now, as Phil mentioned earlier, he recently posted an article talking about experiencing this very thing. And I believe I wrote one back in November. I'll In the show notes, we'll have links to these things. <laughs> but it's something that I think every GM who, who is GM for any length of time has experienced. And we figured it would be worth talking about. Phil, do you want to give us a kind of a rundown of what you covered in your article? Yeah, in the article I talked. Um, so pretty much everything I write comes out of something I've run, right? So um, the article was about my Forbidden Lands game where I just, I was 46 sessions in and uh, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can run this game anymore. Like, I'm not excited about running it, which is usually a bad sign, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's usually over the years I've learned that this is not a, um, this far into a campaign, this is not a case of, hey, let's see if we can push through, mm-hmm. right? Because once once it kind of like once that idea seeps into your head, it just gets harder and harder to run the the game. So the the article talks about like what are some of the reasons why we might burn out? Like maybe uh, we've played all the rules of the game, right? Like maybe we've done like everything like we've done basically all the rules in the game and now everything's just kind of repetitive. Or maybe, you know, we set up the campaign in a way that like the characters just basically do the same thing over and over uh, and we're just getting bored of it. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of those. And of course, uh, you know, I, I couldn't write this without um, the dreaded new shiny. Yeah. <laughs> right. The new shiny is its own. We could have a whole show about the new shiny. But for whatever reason, you're starting to burn out on the game. And then I just kind of talk about some ways to deal with it. Right. So, like, I mean, you can, you know, you can take a break. Um, you can do the season thing like your game does. Like, mm-hmm. that's actually a really smart way to kind of mitigate that is just like, hey, let's play for X number of sessions and then pack it away and we'll come back later. And that takes some discipline. Right. That takes some discipline on the GM side to like to come back to it yeah. down the road. But but it is a really good way to kind of deal with it. And then I talk about things like, uh, you know, maybe it's time to just wrap up your campaign. Like if you still have enough energy, if you still have enough fuel in the tank and you are close to a place where you can make an ending mm-hmm. like, you know, like, hey, like when we finish this dungeon, I'd like to switch games. Right. Like you can get you can get there. And then like the last one, which is actually what I did after talking to my group, because my group was very sympathetic. And when I explained it to them, they were like, hey, we just don't have to play. Like, let's just go play another game. Like we didn't wrap it up. I think a lot of games go this route. Right. I think a lot of people have stories of games that just kind of stop. Mm -hmm. I think I think the difference, though, is is a lot of times that happens without talking to the group about it. Yeah. It's like that. That's that's one of the things I think. I want to emphasize for GMs to be careful of. So you want to communicate with your players. It's totally understandable if you're burnt out on something and can't find it within yourself to continue. Mm. But you got to talk to your group. You know, you got to talk to your group and make sure everyone's on the same page. Otherwise, I, you know, like I've been in the position of the player who has been in a campaign I was super excited about and just died on the vine. Mm-hmm. That's no mm-hmm. fun. And it it kind of, if it's not handled right, it does start to erode your trust in the GM. So as a GM, you want to make sure that you're you're handling this the right way with your players. And, and I did mention it to my players, right? So I, I said to my players, I said, look, I'm I'm starting to burn out of the game. But like we were in the middle of an adventure. I was like, why don't we just like, why don't we wrap that? Like, why don't we wrap this adventure up and then we could talk about stuff? And they were like, yeah, but that adventure was going to introduce a new character to the campaign. like." we don't really need to finish it right now. Like we could come back to this game later. 
So, but yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think you totally have to, I, I think the first thing is just admitting it, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes you just have, you don't have to abandon the game. Like sometimes you can just change something about the game mm-hmm. and energize it, but, but you have to like, you have to start communicating that to everybody. How about you, Jared? Have you had any experience with this? I say as you smile <laughs> and, and laugh because you've been gaming forever. Oh, have I? Uh, <laughs> so um, let's see. Probably in my adult life, the first big burnout that slapped me in the face was when I was running Pathfinder. And that's not even like, it's not even a dig at Pathfinder. It's that in reality, I was running Pathfinder for several years after having run three five you know, for three years and three Oh for a year. So that felt a lot more like a continuous. I've been playing with this system and pretty much just the system for years now. And I just could not get the energy to keep, you know, part of this. I, I know Phil's near and dear to this topic, but trying to prep things for, for Pathfinder and, you know, trying to even just having like six players instead of four. So, you know, trying to modify you know, even using published adventures and saying, no, I got to add this or else it's not going to be challenging. It just ran me into the ground and I was not having any fun with it anymore. And um, so talked to the players and said, you know, I'm not I, I can't keep doing this. I'm just kind of burned out on this. And they understood. But then I went to running one shots of Savage Worlds for a while. But when I tried to get a campaign going after we had done like four or five one shots, one shots went great. I could not get into any enthusiasm for running a campaign mm-hmm. with it. And honestly, I stayed kind of burned out until I had played for a few months as a player in some games. And then I like ran into Marvel Heroic Role Playing. And that's really what, you know, just rekindled that spark. It's like, oh, I have to run this. You know, once I finally gripped you know, what this was, you know, what the game was about and how to run it. It was like, I just, I have to get back in there. I have to start running this again. And that's what really, you know, brought me back around. But like more recently, my uh, Star Trek Adventures game, this is one of those things. And, you know, Phil has talked about this before, too, when he's talking about burnout. There's a difference between being burned out on GMing and being burned out on a game system. I love Star Trek Adventures. I love the campaign we were running, but we started that campaign pre-COVID and Mm. I got to a certain point when I was running it where it was just like, I can't, I can't focus on this. There's too much going on. And I took probably about, about a month and a half off of running it. And then I realized, you know what? We're like a few episodes away from resolving the Dominion War. And if I can power through and get them to the end of that, and then we can do our epilogue where everyone ends up after the Dominion War, then I will feel much better about this campaign because I love this game and I love these characters. I just don't have as much energy for doing that third season that I thought I was going to do, you know, seeing what happens after the Dominion War. I couldn't do that, but I could pull together those last, you know, three or four, you know, uh, things that we were going to run just to bring us to the end of the Dominion War. And let them be heroes and give them an excuse to get promoted to to captain or be, you know, transferred to a different ship or things like that. And um, yeah, so I've definitely run into some burnout at multiple phases. How about you, Ange? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've always one of the things my article from, I believe, last November talks about is I have always 
because I'm late to GMing, like I didn't start GMing in the 80s when I was first introduced to D&D. I didn't start until mid-2000s. I've always felt like I don't have the right stamina to be a GM because I run about six, seven sessions of a campaign and I start getting frazzled. I start getting stressed about doing prep. I start getting stressed about keeping all the pieces of the ongoing story together in my head. And I, I start to flake out. And I had some of those campaigns that died on the vine. One of the most dramatic was a supers campaign I was running where for some reason I decided to base it in Cleveland. I have no idea why I chose Cleveland. I just did. Probably Howard the Duck. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea. Just, let's, let's, let's use Cleveland. and. I started the campaign, you know, this was well, well pre-COVID, but I started the campaign with a, you know, there was a Spanish flu-like thing that went around and it only affected the young people. And it's been about three months now and all of you had gotten that cold. And now all of a sudden you're all developing powers. And I didn't think too much of it. I just thought this is an interesting way to start a campaign and explain why superpowers started existing in the world. Well, my players are much better at epidemiology than I am. And about six sessions into the campaign, they started extrapolating the number of people that were going to be developing powers across the world and how that was going to destabilize the infrastructure of the entire world and how they should start stocking up now. And they turned my, my lighthearted heroes-based <laughs> campaign into a post-apocalyptic future. And I just panicked. I just panicked and ran away from the campaign. And like they still all talk about that campaign with a lot of love and enthusiasm in their hearts because they had so much fun with it. But I just completely flaked and panicked. And kind of after that incident, I'm like, okay, I need to get better about this. So I've basically done my best to try and be more mindful about when I'm coming up on those those burnout stages. And they happen a lot quicker for me than they do for Phil, obviously, because I certainly have <laughs> never hit 46 sessions in a row. But I do the I do the seasons thing where I basically I'll mm. run for a certain number of sessions, start letting my players know, okay, I'm gonna want to switch up let somebody else GM for a little while, and then I'll come to like a season finale for the campaign so we can easily set it aside without feeling like we left it in a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And that's what's helped me a lot. I, I think that season model is really brilliant. I mean, I think that, you know, if you look at like BBC television, mm -hmm. right, like that model is like fantastic for GMing. We should somewhere when we were all, cause we are all about approximately the same age. So I say that for, I say that for people who are not watching, the, who can't see us, yeah. like, right. We are approximately the same age, but we all came from the generation of the forever campaign. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you're going to like, like the assumption was you will play this campaign forever. Right. Until you like die of boredom or like yeah. whatever. Or everybody dies in a TPK. Right. Yeah. But I don't like, I don't really think that's how role-playing games are meant to be played. And I, I think that like the story arc is actually like one of the best units of a campaign. And I think that, you know, it, you know, if you look at like, you know, if you look at like Sherlock, right, like the mm -hmm. BBC Sherlock or um, any one of those BBC shows, that idea of, Hey, we're going to play six to eight sessions of this and then take a break, like play something else is a great way to have a complete thing, right? A, a beginning, middle, and end, which everybody loves, 
And uh, if you never go back to it, you have this great complete thing that you can say, hey, like we played this thing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and if you do go back to it, you like you you're still fresh on it. You like you're not mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't believe I like oh, I can't look at this thing again. So I think it's a really good model. Mm-hmm. And it would probably do a lot to cut down on GM burnout if we just stop thinking of the forever campaign. It's helped a lot uh, with with my group specifically. It's a help. It's helped a lot with GM health because we generally also rotate GMs. Um, mm. The the D and D campaign I talked about at the beginning that I love. It's the Indus campaign. We were actually playing that last year in February and March, and the GM who was running it at the time worked for the County Department of Health. Oh, the moment everything started happening, it was like okay. Tristan, we know you can't run right now, so it's okay that we're stopping the campaign in the middle of something. It's okay. We can come back to it. I will run something because I know I have a little more bandwidth right now. Yeah. And like that, it gives it gives the group a lot more agility to deal with those those life things that come up. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, this was a bigger life thing that affected everybody, but... <laughs> You know, it still gives the group a lot more flexibility to adjust and adapt to those things. Yeah, and speaking of the the season thing, yeah, and you're in my uh, Sentinel Comics game. The way they organize things is you build collections, and they usually say shoot for about six, you know, six issues in a collection. And what I had said when we first started playing is, I want to get to the end of a collection, and when we get to the end of a collection. We'll all talk about whether we want to do another one. You know, in other words, you know, I wasn't going to just say, we're going to play this forever from, you know, from this point on. It was like, okay, I want everyone to know there is, there is a, a stopping point if we want it, you know? And that's actually something I learned from reading a lot of Phil's stuff is, you know, having kind of giving people an expectation of how long you think a campaign is going to go at the beginning of it. And I think that's even healthier for a GM because there are times when you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this indefinitely, but if you switch that and turn it on its head and just go, well, I can run this until they finish off, you know, whatever this dragon, that's a lot easier to keep your, your eyes on the the prize because you're either thinking, Oh, these would be great things for this dragon to pull on them. Or you're thinking, no, we can plow ahead and go after them right now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the key, the key is to recognize within yourself as a GM, when you're starting to get close to that point, and, you know, like Phil said, maybe you just need to change something up in the campaign. Maybe you need to take a break and be a player for a little while. But you got to recognize within yourself when you're starting to hit that stage of, you know, to use the common common phrase, the game is taking more spoons than it's giving you. Mm-hmm. you know? I think it's it's also important sometimes to recognize that sometimes, at least I, will push myself to do things because other people expect it or want it out of me and if we just had a conversation i could say hey i'm not feeling it right now but there's that part of my head that's saying no i owe this to them they really Mm -hmm. you know they've come to think of me as the person that does this you know that's what happened that's actually why i ran pathfinder longer than i was probably really happy with running it is because everybody was like oh no you're really good at running this and we want to be in your campaigns and it's like man i don't want to disappoint them but i'm just not you know, the batteries are, are dry here. And like, I've even noticed, like, there are there are certain fandoms now, like, no offense, everyone can have their opinion on it. But I have no desire to run Star Wars right now. 
just because I have no idea what people's opinions on different aspects of Star Wars are, and I don't enjoy engaging with it right now. You know, so that's kind of X that off my list when that used to be something I, you know, I loved running that. Yeah, no, I totally get that, too. You know, it's the you you have to have a spark for the game you're running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely right. And I mean, I think it's the first sign for me, at least it's the first sign of when I start to get worried about burnout is when I'm not excited to prep the game now whatever prep means right because i i mm. you know i'm like i'm just about to launch a knight's black agents game which means i'm going to be doing lots of prep yeah and you know i've run every everything else under the sun where i've done you know my prep is like you know a quarter page of okay let's let's you know let's toss these things at the players and then let's play to see where we go but if you're not excited heading into the session like that's the fur like that's the warning sign like that's where you need to start like being introspective and saying okay like well why am i not excited mm -hmm. you know is it a group dynamic it is is it the rules is it the game is it the story like you got to start like feeling around the edges for that because early when you could still figure out what to do with it you're still like you're still for the most part getting something out of running the game you're not like thrilled about prepping it but then you get to the game and you're like oh yeah but it was a good game and sometimes i mean and I'll say this, right? Like you got to be careful. Like one time isn't a thing. Like you just be having a bad day and, or mm -hmm. a bad week and mm -hmm. just not be excited about, you know, running the game. And then you go play and then you come out of it and you're like, ah, oh, right. I love this game. Mm -hmm. I'm great. And, and you keep going. It's when it becomes a pattern. It's like when the first time you run, you know, like you're getting ready to set up, you know, you're, you're getting ready to prep your session and you're not too thrilled. And then the next time you go to prep it, you're still not thrilled. Like now you got to start like, all right, now and I, I now I need to spend some time thinking about why that is. Yeah, last year with the East Texas University campaign I was running, I just it was the day of game and I just my brain kept going, "Oh, maybe we can cancel. Maybe we can cancel. Maybe we don't need to run today. Maybe somebody else won't want to play and we can cancel." And then I'm like, "Stop." Uh, yeah. Stop. <laughs> Your players love this campaign. You've got everything set up for the adventure they're going to be playing. You don't need to do any major prep. You just need to pull it together enough to be there. And then we can talk about, you know, like, okay, they're nearing the end of fall semester of their freshman year. We can call a break after we do the next, you know, the next adventure will be the finale for freshman fall. Mm. You know, and then we can take a break and come back to it when you're renewed. You know, it's like you can, you can recognize those points in yourself and you know talk to your players set some goal you know set some like deadlines or deadlines is probably the wrong term for it but set set points mm -hmm. where you know you can like step back and you've given the players a satisfying game so far i, I think at any point when you are relieved that somebody can't make it to a game and you've canceled is a sign that something's amiss Right. It may not be burnout, but something's definitely wrong. If somebody else is like, oh, I can't make it. And somebody cancels the game and you're like, mm. <laughs> like you have, like it is time to take some inventory. Like, why? Why am I not happy here? It's, it's that introvert moment of, oh, yay, plans were canceled. Yeah, I know. As a, like a raging introvert, I, I, that, I do this all the time where I, I agree to do something. And then, like, as it approaches, I'm like, oh, my God, why? What was, like, why did I want to do that? What was I thinking? Yeah. 
this this is actually part of my thought process to at like every convention I've ever gone to. There is a point where I'm sitting here going, "Man, there's gonna be people." And I'm going to be around <laughs> around people. What what was I thinking? And then you know I get to a game session and it's great. But there is that point at conventions where I'm like, man, does actually being out and around people in public outweigh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. Uh, Phil mentioned earlier the uh, the new shiny. So I will offer a, a suggestion. Like if you are burnt out on one campaign. Don't immediately jump to the new shiny. <laughs> Give yourself a little bit of a break. I, I'm fairly certain that somewhere in the collection of articles I've written, I have written an article called <laughs> The Rebound Game. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I need to go back and check all of the old Gnomecast episodes, but I think, Phil, you and I, and maybe it was Camden did an episode on the new shiny <laughs> and basically wanting to basically like, Ooh, new shiny. <laughs> it's a completely different campaign killer. Uh, yep. Oh, and I did. I just quick Googled it. I absolutely wrote an article called the rebound game <laughs> about the game that you play. Like, as you're coming off of another campaign. Well, like here's Okay. Speaking of the the glow that you get from a certain, you know, game, though, I was thinking about this in reverse, too. I actually got burned out on running a second 7th C game because my first game went so well. And I thought I could run this again. This is going to be great. And it did not live up to that first campaign. And I just started going, I'm not feeling this one, you know, mm -hmm. and that that first game went so well because we had multiple characters with romances and we had like all these epic stakes for things. And it, it was everything that I was kind of picturing seventh C being in the second one. We were like, Oh, we're going to be monster hunters from Ison, And okay. It's not really going anywhere. And it's not quite as over the top as, you know, it's more horror themed and we're not getting to as much of the swashbuckling. And it was, it just kind of had to talk to the players and say, I'm not feeling this like I did the last time we ran 7C. What does everybody think, you know? And we ended up, you know, pulling the plug on that one. But that was something that, you know, we all kind of talked about and we were all kind of going, yeah, it's just not, it's not gripping us again this time like it did that first campaign. I haven't experienced that in, in my modern age of gaming. <laughs> but in my college age of gaming, I had a GM who had a, Super's campaign where you were playing teenagers at a boarding school that was so totally not Xavier's school for <laughs> gifted students. But every time he we would run we would play four, five, maybe six, seven sessions, and then he'd flake out because something, you know, like he could he'd just drop it. And then six months later we would make new characters for that campaign and play new characters in that <laughs> setting. And I probably have i don't have the characters anymore but i probably have four or five characters that i've i've made for that setting that's cool i think we've pretty much covered this topic uh, i think we can move into the outro now this show is funded by the gnome stew patreon you can become a patreon backer by following the patreon link on the gnome stew website to the gnome stew patreon this ad is brought to you by well you know this is where i would say something funny if i wasn't completely burned out I'm coming up with funny things to say, so <sighs> if you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. The Misdirected Mark, Bob, Jerry, and me, Phil, go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, 
to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. Phil, where else can we find you on the internet? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at DNA Phil. That's like my main jam. But you can also keep up with me uh, and the things that I do at Encoded Designs and at Pandas Talking Games. Jared, where else can we find you on the internet? All right. You can find my blog at whatdoiknowjr.com. You can find me on Twitter at whatdoiknowjr. And you can find my text-to-speech blog posts in podcast form at anchor.fm slash whatdoiknowjr audio blog. And you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram as orichas13, O-R-I-K-E-S-13. Though, as always, Twitter is mostly dead and Instagram is mostly cats. So, you think we avoided the stew this week? Aren't you actually the holder of the, like, aren't you the keeper of the stew pot now? Yeah, but, you know. (laughs) Don't, Don't you just, like, now thumbs up or thumbs down people, like... I don't want to tell anyone I burned the stew at the bottom of the pot. Yeah, just push a few gnomes down to scrape the pot, get the, the good flavor back up into the... <laughs> Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. I have waveforms. I have waveforms. And I look like I have waveforms as well. Yours are tiny, though, Jared. No, I'm sorry.